glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 36, and you have to find it in the Bible yourself. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. And then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and on all account of me. And so, you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror 
apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. And even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So we're invited into a scene. The scene is in Jerusalem, and it's packed with pilgrims. There are people from all over the known world that came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And the city's normal population of about 125,000 had just swollen to almost one million people. The situation was so tight, so close together, that most of the pilgrims who came to the temple actually spent their nights camped out on the hills in the countryside around Jerusalem. And then there was the construction that was in and around the temple. The Herod family project to remodel the temple was almost ready to start its 50th year and was scheduled to continue for more than 30 years into the future. And many of the Passover pilgrims were curious to see the new areas of the temple complex that were under construction, and there were many discussions about what had changed since the last time they had made the Passover pilgrimage. And to top it off, there was this popular rabbi named Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And this Jesus, his entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of the week 
had set off a patriotic display that, that nearly ended up in a riot. And that rabbi then spent his days preaching in the temple, and many people even followed him and his disciples to their campsite on the Mount of Olives during the night. And this is the setting for the events that recounted in today's gospel. And from the parallel accounts in Matthew and Mark, we are able to determine that the events of today's gospel occur late on a Tuesday of Holy Week. And Jesus has finished a day of teaching, and he and his disciples are headed for their campsite on the Mount of Olives. And as they leave the temple area, someone remarked of the beauty of the stones and of the decorations. And they had probably been looking at the new construction and, and imagining the glory of the temple when it would be all finished in about 30 years. And of course, the beauty of the temple was about much, much more than its physical appearance. It was the center of Hebrew culture and faith. The temple was the place where God communicated with his people. He revealed himself to them in his word, and they sacrificed their offerings to him. Now, the pilgrims in Jerusalem for the Passover saw the temple as God's revelation of himself on earth. The temple was where God dwelt with his people. God had a long history of dwelling with his people. In Genesis, we hear Enoch walked with God. We hear in Genesis, Noah walked with God. There are over 13 chapters of Genesis that tell about God's influence in the life of Abraham. And the entire content of four of Moses' five books tell how God brought forth a nation of people from Egypt and dwelt with them. He dwelt with them in fire and cloud and in ark and altar and tabernacle. God said in Exodus 29, verses 45 through 46, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. God was with his people, and he blessed them and they became a great nation. And eventually God's people built a temple. And when Solomon dedicated the temple, it was very obvious that God dwelt with his people. We read in 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 2, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. 
and all of this history of God dwelling with his people and much, much more was centered in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, imagine how shocked and dismayed people must have been when they heard Jesus talk about the temple and say, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Jesus was telling them that the center and foundation of their culture, the center and foundation of their faith, was going to be destroyed. And none of the Gospels tell us what the disciples talked about during the rest of the trip to their camp on the Mount of Olives, or if they just walked in stunned silence. But as soon as they arrive and got settled in their camp, the disciples asked Jesus for more information. So it was that as they sat down on the Mount of Olives and looked across the valley at Jerusalem with the temple, most very likely the temple complex was gleaming in the sun setting. And Jesus warned them that it would all come to an end. And what those disciples and many other people forgot was that the temple sacrifices, the festivals, and other requirements of ceremonial law were only preparation for the day when God would dwell among his people as one of them. The altar, the temple, the incense, the Sabbath, and all the other requirements of the ceremonial law were only shadows, only shadows pointing to the future reality. So the continuous blood and smoke that came from the sacrifices of sheep and goats and cattle and birds at the altar in Jerusalem were, there was only a reminder that the one day, that in one day, Emmanuel, God with us, would come and God would dwell with his people. The hope to come. These sacrifices, yes, were offered for the forgiveness of sins. But the fact that they needed to be done daily showed that sin was ever-present and that the sacrifices were never enough. And we read the writer to the Hebrews, he says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. All these requirements of the ceremonial law were only shadows of the good things to come. And the danger for the people of the first century Palestine is that many thought the shadows were the reality. Many placed their trust for their lives here on earth and forever in eternity. They placed their trust in the ceremonial laws, the laws of the temple. 
Many thought that they would earn their way into God's heart by keeping the ceremonial laws perfectly. So they went through the motions, and they tried to keep the law perfectly in hope that God would show favor to them. They trusted the shadows instead of the reality. So, then the reality came. God in flesh, the perfect unity of God and man in one person, Jesus Christ. God came to dwell with man as man. The people living in shadow tried to keep the law, but they never could. The reality of God in Jesus Christ kept the law in all perfection. The people living in shadow offered sacrifices from their flocks and from their herds. The reality, the reality offered himself. The people living in shadow offered sacrifices day after day, but it was never enough. The reality offered himself once, and it was enough for all people in all places and all times. Now, the writer to the Hebrew says in Hebrews 10, 12 through 14, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. History tells us that Herod the Great began his temple remodeling project in 20 B.C., and that that work was finished sometime around 64 A.D., that is 84 years from start to finish. Yet only six years later, in 70 AD, the Roman army laid siege to Jerusalem and they destroyed it. Today, there is a Muslim shrine there where the temple once stood. And the only trace of the temple is the scattering of stones around that temple mount. What shadows take the place of God in our lives today? Martin Luther says in the large catechism, anything on which your heart relies and depends, I say that is really your God. Do we depend on our own hard work and the payment we receive for it as our reality? Is the accumulation of things our reality? Do we depend on our reputation or our popularity, our standing in the community for our reality? Is pleasure our reality? 
Upon what does your heart rely and depend? Truth is, every one of us forgets that the things of this world are only shadows of the things to come. Every one of us fears, loves, trusts the created things of this world instead of the God who created them. Yet in the end, the things of this world that seem so solid, so real, will pass away, just like the temple in Jerusalem. Fortunately, Jesus Christ still lives. Amen? He who sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins now lives in the hearts of those whom he saves. And since the temple is the place where God dwells, that means that he dwells in the heart of every person he has saved. And every person he has saved is his temple. How do we know that we are God's temples? Well, the Holy Spirit works through the reality of the word and works faith in the heart. Faith comes through hearing. Through baptism, the reality of the word is combined with the water, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in that heart. And that person trusts Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and no longer trusts in shadows of his world for salvation. It is appropriate that as we near the end of the church year that we think about the end of our time on earth. Will our end come on the last day? All the signs that Jesus mentions in today's gospel, they've already happened. We continually read about nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We've had great earthquakes and great famines and great pestilences. And the terrors and great signs from heaven have already happened. And every time you check the news and hear or read about another disaster or war, it is a reminder that this world is a shadow and that one day the reality of Jesus will come. On the other hand, our end may come in our own death. Either way, when that end comes, those who trust in the shadows of this world will shriek in terror as the mouth of hell opens to swallow them into an eternity of pain and anguish. And on the other hand, those who trust in the reality of Jesus Christ, they will shout for joy as they enter the blessings of the eternal reality. Revelation 21:14. There we shall dwell forever with God, and he will dwell with us, as John wrote. He continues, Then I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. Finally, in Revelation 21, 22 through 23. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lord, the Lamb. In the name of Jesus. Amen.